Throughout the years here on the Twilight Zone podcast, we have touched upon some of the beats of Rod Serling's life, his military service, his start in radio, his breaking into television with things like Patterns and Requiem for a Heavyweight. We've read his daughter's book, As I Knew Him, My Dad, Rod Serling, and we've interviewed several of the people who have documented his life and his work. And as Twilight Zone fans, we all have different levels of fandom. Some people just enjoy watching the show, but other people want to dig into the man behind the show. Now, whenever there is a new Twilight Zone book out, the first question in my head is what new does this one bring to the table? Well, on the 8th of October, another book will join our crowded bookshelf. But this one approaches things in a way that really hasn't been done before. It's a book that does document the life of Rod Serling, but in the graphic novel medium. Now, as a big comic book fan, since I can remember, this one was one I've had my eye on ever since I first heard about it. And I was glad to be able to get an advanced digital copy of the book to check it out before I spoke to its author tonight. Now the book is called The Twilight Man, Rod Serling and the Birth of Television and the writer and artist is Karen Shadmi. Now I did manage to get that advanced copy which I'm very appreciative of but this is one that I'm going to be buying myself in printed form as well. It's one that I want to have they're on my bookshelf. Now if you are new to the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling and you want to learn a bit more about the man, then I think this is an excellent accessible way to do it. It's beautifully illustrated and very nicely paced throughout and it it really does hit many of those beats of Rod Serling's life, his early work, the Twilight Zone and what he did after it. But for people like me and several other listeners who pretty much know this stuff, is it worth getting? Well, I would say absolutely yes. And the reason being is, yes, we know these stories, but we've never really seen Rod Serling's life presented in this way. And I actually found at times that having knowledge of his life already, and then seeing it in a graphic novel form, actually brought uh, an emotional kind of reaction to it because... You know, we've heard the stories about his military service, the deaths that he's seen, and the effect that it had on him. So, to see it visually was actually quite emotional at times. And then as we go through the book, there are recreations of Twilight Zone scenes. Karen Shadmi has a, a really nice art style that I think is perfect for telling this story. And there is a frame from... Planet of the Apes that I wish I could have and hang on my wall because it's really nicely done. So this stuff is peppered throughout here and all of the beats are there and I really do recommend it whether you are new to the Twilight Zone and Rod Serling or whether you're a fan who really knows the story already. I think this is this is going to be a great piece to add to your collection. So tonight submitted for your approval I present to you an interview with the man himself, 
and he's going to tell us some more about the Twilight Man, Rod Serling and the birth of television. So this is when I spoke to Karen Shadmi. We're here to talk about your new book, uh, The Twilight Man. But before we do, for anyone who hasn't come across your work before, could you just give us a bit of background on you and, and the kind of work you've done so far? Sure, yeah. I'm an illustrator and cartoonist. So um, I've done illustrations for magazines like uh, the New York Times and uh, Playboy and um, you know various publications over the years. Uh, but you know, my real passion, I would say, uh, in recent years or in general, it's been comics and, um, I've had, I think seven or eight books published, uh, some internationally, Mm -hmm. uh, and they're all kind of different from each other. Um, my first book was like, uh, short stories and, um, uh, the most recent one that came out last year was actually... Uh, sci-fi one so it's more closer to to the twilight zone vibe um but there was there was one that was uh uh called love addict that was a auto kind of a a bio uh sort of a bio comic Mm -hmm. so i do all sorts of uh, books and and uh the new uh the twilight man is really the first time that i'm doing i'm writing and drawing a non-fiction biography because i've previously drawn a nonfiction biography about um, Gary Gyax, the creator of Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah, yeah. And I thought I, I saw how how well that book did, and I was like, well, you know, may who would I like to write a book about? And and then um, that was you know, Rod Serling was one of the top top on the list. So I understand that in your early life, you didn't actually grow up in America, but you grew up in Israel. I did. Were you first exposed to Rod Sailing in the Twilight Zone over there, or did that happen when you, you moved to America? I was indirectly. Uh, so we didn't, sadly, we didn't have the original show in Israel um, on TV, but we did have the 80s reboot. So that's what I saw when I was growing up. So I remember some of those episodes. Um, and I knew about it from... from you know, I was a big Simpsons fan, so I knew about it from like popular culture, and there were so many references to it in a variety of shows, and like The Wonder Years, all these other shows that I was watching mm-hmm. were kind of referencing The Twilight Zone, but not until I came here. And actually, I wish I had like a more exotic story, but when it came available on Netflix, that's when I binged it and watched the whole thing. So, and I I just couldn't believe it, you know, uh, how good it was um, considering. Um, you know, when it, when it, when it was, uh, released the, the time period and then it was released on television and mm. it really, I think is a groundbreaking, uh, show and, and, um, and yeah, so it was pretty amazing to see it as an adult, you know, I never really saw it. I know most Americans have seen it kind of growing up in reruns and it's kind of very, it's this thing that's very wrapped up in people's childhood. Yeah. Yeah. But, but not for me. Well, that that's it, it's pretty amazing though that it's it's captured your imagination. Like you say, I mean, I was exposed to it as a kid, and then it's not been on television in England since I was a kid. So interesting, yeah. So it was pretty much forgotten, but the seed was planted then, and then I watched it right. again as an adult. But it, it's it's great to hear of someone 
really discovering it as an adult and, and really getting bewitched by it, that's great. Was there a particular episode or, or something that really just grabbed you and, and made you think, my God, this is this is pretty amazing? Well, the thing is with the Twilight Zone, uh, the, I think the quality of the episodes really ranges. Some of them, I think, are as good as, as like an Ingmar Bergman movie. You know, they're just these, like, there's like a very high artistic quality to them, both yeah. of the, the visuals and the writing and the acting. Thing, and it was really like, I mean, that's what Sterling was acting for, like was aiming for. Mm-hmm. He really wanted to make it like a, like a very um, kind of, he came from Playhouse 90, uh, writing Playhouse 90. So he wanted it to have that same level of, of, of quality. And in some places he manages So some episodes are incredible. Yeah. And then some episodes are like really goofy. Uh, I mean, I think the one that is my favorite is I have the beholder. I know it's for a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, but I also like uh, the hitchhiker time enough at last, you know, I don't, uh, I kind of go for the ones that are, I think most people um, appreciate. Um, but yeah, it was just the visuals, you know, I think that with, um, with uh, I have the beholder, it's just such a beautiful mm shot so beautifully and um the black and the white and the shadows and there's something like very very um and you know like it really feels like it's some sort of you know other reality that you're looking into and um i was just excited and i couldn't believe i was like i can't believe this was on tv yeah in the u.s in the 50s it's just so ahead of its time and it, it really um you know and stuff like i love lucy was running yeah <laughs> you know, the thing is, is just this really dark, you know, story about that really talks about totalitarianism and, and just, um, you know, the, the darkest parts of, of, of American society where you're really, you're not accepted if you, you know, you don't fit in, uh, if you're not a certain way and, um, and everybody has con- to conform to that. And yeah. yeah, yeah. So I love that episode. Okay. So the book is called Twilight Man, Rod Sailing and the Birth of Television. So tell us about the book. The book is a, a nonfiction biography uh, in graphic novel form. So it's a 180-something page, uh, mostly black and white, um, a graphic novel where, you know, we first opened to Rod uh, on a plane, on a Pan Am flight at night, sitting next to a stranger um, who's kind of, pushing him or, or, or like trying to get out of him, his life story. And then, um, that's how we kind of dive into it. And I kind of picked to start in his army years. Um, and then it goes on from there because he was, you know, he was a paratrooper and, uh, had these really, really interesting, crazy, uh, war stories. Um, uh, I, I didn't really mention in the book, but he had like uh, gotten all these medals, like the Purple Heart, and and um, and he was there for a long time. I think like three plus years. Um, and I think that I focused a lot on the army years. I would say about a fourth of the book because I think it really informed the the Twilight Zone because mm. I think he was very much um, had you know uh, PTSD from from fighting and from serving in World War II and uh, the things that he saw. Um, and back then there really wasn't any proper treatment for that stuff. And they actually just called it shell shock. Um, but yeah. every night of his life, he woke up with nightmares. 
Um, and then I think these nightmares are, you know, kind of make them their way into the twilight zone and, and the way this kind of way of looking at reality that's different than everybody. Um, and it's strange and, and kind of, um, through a very, very specific lens is very, very much informed by all the things he saw in world war two, all the death, all the destruction, um, and all, and then the absurdity and it kind of, you know, um, makes very much sense because, um, if you go back in history to surrealism, surrealism was born also from the horrors of, of world war one. So, um, you know, there's a real surrealist, um, kind of, uh, atmosphere to the twilight zone and a lot of surreal visuals, um, that kind of make their way. Even if, if you look at the opening, you have the, the famous uh, Salvador Dali and, and Louis Bunuel movie, uh, Un Chien Andalou, and um, you have that kind of eye being sliced and you have something similar in the Twilight Zone. So, so I think, I don't know, you know how much of it was, was uh, I think some of it was intentional, but there is a, a, a deep feeling of, of reality makes no sense. Yeah. Let's just make this other reality to show that reality really doesn't make any sense. Um, and everything is uh, a little absurd. So, um, yeah, 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 that's, that's what I thought was interesting. So the book, I mean, that's the first part is the war years. Um, after that, it really goes into his career in television. And the thing that's interesting about him is that he was very, very famous at the time as one of the top television writers. And he created, um, you know, uh, some very, very famous TV shows that the Playhouse 90, 90 and, and Craft Television Hour. And these were 90-minute movies, films for television that were shot live. Um, and that's also kind of interesting because TV was a very different animal back then. Everything was shot live and broadcast all over America. Um, it's not the case with the twilight zone, the twilight zone was recorded on film for the most part, except for, uh, um, a certain number on, of episodes that were on video. But, um, I just thought the whole period was fascinating. This kind of the birth, the first early years of television where things were just kind of unformed and, yeah. and people were kind of pushing the, the envelope and, and Serling was definitely one of these people. Um, so, um, and then later his kind of later, then we kind of hit the twilight zone and what led to its creation. And then finally, like the, the years after the twilight zone. So, so it is a kind of truncated visual biography, um, of his life, which, which was a lot, there was a lot of stuff. He didn't live a long life, but he had done so much. Um, and I wasn't able, of course, to put everything in the book, but, um, I think whoever reads it will, if you're curious about who he was, I hope that it kind of captures the essence of, of uh, <clears throat> his trajectory. It's quite interesting you speak about his military career, and then he goes on to be this great creative force. Now, you yourself served in the military, and you have gone on to, to become a creator as well. Is there a kind of kinship there, do you think? Um, maybe a little bit, but my army service was really kind of a joke compared to Rod Sterling. Uh, okay. I did get to shoot some guns at basic training, but, um, I basically 
was a graphic designer for um, the three mandatory years. So I didn't really get to see much action. My life was never threatened. I never parachuted anywhere. But I did kind of get a sense that the Army is a very surreal, weird place where the rules of, of, uh, of reality, of, of you know, society don't really function the same way. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could, I could kind of relate to some of his, uh, his issues, but it really, um, you know, from making comics, you don't end up with, uh, with, a 15 room mansion in Malibu. Uh, so, so I can't really relate to that part, but, uh, but yeah, it's, there, there's definitely, I mean, I could relate to his, to his, um, his kind of frustrations and and uh, 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 creative frustrations and, uh, and and I think you know I kind of felt like I got to know him a little bit while yeah while working on on the book yeah now Rod Sailing as we all know he has a very unique style of talking and he wasn't always known for his brevity he you know it was often this very long poetic kind of way of talking was it difficult to emulate rod sailing on the comics page where kind of space is really at a premium and it doesn't really lend itself to you know long sailing-esque passages of dialogue yeah yeah definitely i mean this was a more text heavy book than i usually do um Mm -hmm. but he i tried my best to kind of um use some of the there's some words that he really liked and i saw them kind of repeat themselves again and again through his you know intros to the twilight zone and his other his other works um and some of them were kind of funny and 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 maybe a little dated but i think Mm. it kind of helps make the the you know the setting of the book more feel like a period piece where it really is in the 50s like for instance he likes he liked to use the term johnny come lately (laughs) <laughs> which I don't think anyone uses anymore, but I managed to put that in there. Uh, he liked predicament. Um, he liked the word palpable. Yeah. You know, there's all these words that um, that he enjoyed, and he really was coming from from uh, writers. Uh, there's, it's very literary the way he talks. Um, it sometimes gets to be a little much. Um, you know, especially I, I watched uh, one of his one of the films that he worked on. Um, the, the name escapes me now, but um, it, it is a lot of these like kind of long speeches where the characters just stand in front of the camera and and um, philosophize and talk about morality and and it, I don't think it works so well on uh, those times. Mm-hmm. But in the Twilight Zone, I feel like it really he kind of nailed it where. You know, you keep the philosophizing to the the beginning and the end, and it's fairly short. and And I think he's he's perfect for that. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, but yeah, I tried to make it as as visual as possible, even though this guy was definitely like a wordy, wordy person, wordy uh, writer. So I imagine the you know the, I mean, there's a ton of detail in the book. And you talk about things like patterns, requiem for a heavyweight, but when you were actually researching the his life itself, what were you using as your research material for that? Well, there's a few uh, biographies. Um, there's also a lot of interviews that he did that are still available, um, and there's just 
There's a great movie uh, that I'm sure you've seen, uh, the American Masters movie. Mm. So I was kind of gathering from there. Um, uh, his daughter, Anne Serling, wrote a book about him. So that was also a source. Um, yeah. And uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't go as, as, as deep as to go to the, his archives or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But I think with the graphic novel, you, you don't really need to because it's just like you're already very limited in space. Um, so I really wasn't that interested in, in going into like the, the super details of like, you know, the letters that he wrote to his agent or yeah, something yeah. like that. Um, and I did a lot of the other part was just like a lot of visual research because you're also basically a little bit of a, um, a filmmaker because you're looking to recreate, recreate the period. So after mm. everything was written, you know, I had to do, I think the most, definitely the most, visual research I've ever had to do for a graphic novel because it's set in the fifties, um, in the forties and, you know, it takes place in world war two. And I needed to see exactly how, you know, paratroopers outfits were, um, uh-huh. how airplanes looked like the kind of planes that would drop them. Um, you know, how did Madison Avenue look like in the fifties, um, that kind of stuff. And, yeah. um, so there was just every, page uh had to have some sort of visual reference um you know and i really tried to keep it grounded in reality you know because uh, i wanted to feel you're really in the in the 50s and the 60s so speaking of those biographies if if you read something like gordon sanders biography he portrays sailing as quite an angsty and troubled person whereas um and sailing's book said she didn't know that man and she wrote her book partially as an antidote to that because she didn't think it was accurate and he was a much more lighthearted person than he's often given credit for. So how how have you pitched your characterization of Rod Sailing? I think he was both. Um, I think he came from everybody's description. He came across as this like very friendly, um, warm guy who was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just, just no one... No one mentions that he was a he was a pain to deal with. Um, um, so I think he was, you know, he was like a really nice guy if you met him in person. Uh-huh. That being said, I do feel like he was dealing with a lot of demons, um, and he was probably an anxious person. Just you know, and just the fact that he smoked five packs packs of cigarettes a day. Um, yeah. uh, one article that I read described him as the embodiment of American anxiety, which I thought was like pretty cool. Um, and he really is. I mean, you feel, you feel it. Um, so I think my Sterling, again, I didn't know the person, um, you know, and Sterling, you know, obviously like knows him personally from her end. Um, but I'm just basing it on, what I read and also on the feeling I get of, of Rod Sterling from his appearances on the screen. Mm. Uh, and then it's a, it's a graphic novel biography. So you have to take everything, you know, lightly. This is not, I cannot recreate his life. I wasn't alive when he was alive. So yeah. this is my, my take on him. And in, in my Rod Sterling is, is more towards the, the anxious, dark, um, a man who who dealt with a lot of uh, inner demons, mm. um, but at the same time, I think it's a favorable view of him. I 
think, um, you know, I really feel like that if I had met him, I would have liked him. Um, so, yeah. uh, I tried to, I tried to make the book, uh, relatively like honest, um, uh, kind of take on him. Yeah. Well, one, one of the things that I, I found in it is that your characterization of sailing really does capture his charm. You know, he, he was a very charming man. And like you say, if, if we spoke to him, if we had that opportunity, I, I think we would, we would find that to be the case. So I think that is definitely there. There's also a quite flirtatious side and there are like allusions to infidelity and so on, which I know comes from uh, one or two of the biographies. Was there any hesitation in including something like that in the book? Because, you know, sailing is held on such a pedestal by so many people and, and the possible reaction to that. Yeah. I mean, it's always tricky when dealing with a real person. Um, I tried to limit it. I, I didn't, I don't think I went um, and, and really showed him as some sort of uh, Don Juan or anything. But that being said, what, and part of my research, I did um, find uh, there was there was um, a tennis player. A fam- I forget her name, but a famous tennis player that one of the books refers to her having an affair with him. And then I actually found in her book that she mentions her affair to him as well. So it's mm-hmm. like you know, there's some corroborations. Um, again, I don't know for sure. You have to take it with a, a grain of salt. And and yeah, that's the problem with. Um, with people when something's so popular and there's like a fandom for it, you're always going to step on some toes. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but I think there was a different, again, I can't say for sure. I put it in my, my, uh, story, but, um, I think in the sixties, this was, it was a different era where this was a lot more rampant. If you watch Mad Men, um, I think it was just something that that happened more uh, and was more maybe overlooked. Uh, and we're entering a better time now where it's not, you know, it's like, you know, you just uh, men can't get away with that kind of stuff. And, and, and that's, that's the way it should be. Um, but I think that the 60s was a different era, you know, like the James Bond era and this era where, um, where he could, you know, men could maybe do that. Um, yeah, but I'm sure that, but I just think that there was more of a um, kind of maybe just looking away uh, from that back then and, and kind of uh, ignoring that. But um, but again, if you look at some shows like Mad Men, which really, Dave, uh, Matthew Weiner really, I think, was very well steeped in that era. Yeah. Um, I think he reflects that there. I, d- I do think you handle it very tastefully. Uh, absolutely. Thanks. Just finally, Karen, one of the things that I enjoy most about the book is how you drew Rod Sailing because early on you you depict him as very fresh-faced and then gradually, and it's such a gradual process that you don't even realize it's happening. Uh, by the time we get to the Twilight Zone, he's kind of grown into that person and, and there he is in front of you, the, the rod sailing that we all know from the Twilight Zone. So can you just talk a bit about the artistic side of it and, and how you, you draw rod sailing? Yeah, the, luckily there is a lot of reference, uh, a lot of pictures of rod sailing uh, from various eras, from his army time up till uh, his you know 70s, 
days where he had these great, crazy mutton chops and his hair was just <laughs> enormous. So, uh, um, you know, he went through all these phases and um, it was very important for me to kind of capture him because his, his look, his smile, that kind of smile with clenched teeth is, is something that I was trying to capture there. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I think back then too, that people kind of aged faster. They, they, especially him, he, he smoked a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, you watch these movies from, um, from the era. I think we just, me and my wife just watched, uh, the African queen mm-hmm. and Humphrey Bogart is there and we're like, Oh my God, is he like 60 here? And it turns out he's like 38 or something, you know, cause they all, <laughs> They're smoking and drinking and, and, uh, you know, probably eating a lot of beef and I don't know. I think that, you know, people were like a little less, uh, healthy back then. So, um, so you really could see his, you know, um, he, he does look older than his age. I think in, in the twilight zone, he's in his thirties. Um, but, uh, he, you know, kind of looks and, and talks like someone who's like slightly older than that. So I was, I was trying to keep, you know, um, be loyal to the way he looked, uh, in every period. I think it's beautifully done. And, and I mean, the, the, the recreations of iconic twilight zone scenes and things like that were, were just lovely as well. Um, thank you. It doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but now you haven't done it and, you know, sitting back and looking at the book, what are you really proud of in the finished product? Doesn't have to be your favorite thing, but just something you think, wow, that really worked out well. Um, I'm happy with the the kind of birth of the Twilight Zone sequence, um, mm-hmm. which there was a lot of elements involved in it. And um, I think that that was a challenge and I managed to condense it to, you know, 12 pages or so. And I think I'm, I'm proud of, of how it came out and I think the storytelling is, is very clear and um and I think it looks good so um I'm happy with that part especially good good okay so when is the book out and where can people get hold of you if, if they want to check out more of your work the book is out October 8th um and we're also having um a little evening uh if you're in New York uh at the School of Visual Arts um and it's gonna we're gonna screen three episodes of of the twilight zone and have uh an audio visual presentation so it's gonna be around the same time but just i'm gonna mention this uh right here uh if you don't mind it's gonna be on october 3rd at the school of visual arts at 7 p.m okay. i'm gonna kind of talk about it more soon um and uh and my work uh you can see on uh my name, KarenShadme.com. You can see the, some of the illustrations and links to some of the books that I've done. Great, great. Karen, I think one of the successes of, of the book is that for anyone who doesn't know Rod Serling's life story, it's really a great way to experience it. But for us who do know some of these details, it's still you know, a wonderful way to experience it in a way that we've never seen it before. So Thank you for your work and and thank you for putting this together and thank you for speaking to me today. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it too. I really want to thank Karen Shadmi for taking the time out to do that and I want to thank his publicist for sending over that digital copy of the book. It was a great way to get a heads up on it but like I said, when the book comes out, 
I'm going to be buying my own copy because I really want to own it physically. I think the artwork is so nice and I think it'll be a great piece to have. Now, if you're going to Sailing Fest this year, which begins on Friday the 4th of October in Binghamton, Karen Shadmi is going to be one of the guests there. And that is actually a few days before the book is out, but he will have advanced copies of the book. So it'll be a great way to get the book first, and it will be a great way to get it signed by Karen while you're there. So speaking of Sailing Fest, obviously I am going to be there. It was almost on the rocks because I bought my tickets with Thomas Cook, the airline and holiday company that has just collapsed, but I managed to figure something out at the last minute. Um, so I am still going to be at Sailing Fest, thankfully. And I'm going to put out a short episode before that to, again, go over what I'm going to be doing there and do a bit of housekeeping. I realize a lot of patrons have come on board and I haven't given them their dedications yet. It's just been a bit of a busy time getting ready for Sailing Fest. So I will do a short prelude episode. And then after that, when I come back from Sailing Fest, I'll be doing maybe one or two episodes about Sailing Fest and hopefully giving the people who can't go a bit of a flavor of it. So please do listen out for that. So that'll be in a few days time, but for now, The Twilight Man, Rod Sailing and the Birth of Television by Karen Shadmi. You can pre-order it at all the usual places and I will put some links in the show notes so you can do just that. So that's enough from me and I will speak to you next time.